Hey there, Moto America fans. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm your host of Off Track. Uh, it's Moto America's weekly podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Weiss. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's, the, uh, that's where we come up with the name there, you know, Off Track with Carruthers and Weiss. It means that there's also a Weiss. So let's bring Sean in and talk to him real quick. Sean, you freezing your ass off yet? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's up and down with the weather. I don't know. You know, I, last time we... we talked we had gotten a fair amount of snow well man new the northeast got hammered um up where my brother-in-law lives in binghamton they got like three feet we didn't get that much and it's all gone now it's it's chilly right now um but it's not it's not horrible we had some rain yesterday and that's easier for me to shovel so um (laughs) i'm okay with it looking forward to christmas christmas coming up here at the end of the week um it's amazing how it goes you know you come down to this time of the sea the year and you go right from christmas to new year's and you know, before we know it, it's 2021 and hopefully we put all this disaster behind us and uh, get racing pretty soon here. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be good to go racing. I'm, uh, I'm actually in Phoenix or Scottsdale, Arizona. So the weather's a bit different than what you've got, but a little bit. Wow. I'm here for a few days, just on a little vacation. And then before the holiday, and then I, I, I jet back to, uh, to San Diego and hang out with my parents and stuff on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and then back home after that. And New Year's is never, it doesn't seem like a big deal to me anymore. I just basically, you know, trying to stay awake until I, I try to go, I try to stay awake till it's at least um, midnight in the East, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's, uh, you know, how that goes. It's like, man, I'm used to going to bed at nine, nine thirty, ten 10 at the latest. I can't make it till midnight anymore. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned Scottsdale. Um, so I, don't want to give away the whereabouts of our faithful photographer, Brian J. Nelson, but is he, is that where he lives? Uh, I, I think he's like Flagstaff. Oh, you're right. It, it is Flagstaff. Yeah. Uh, that, that I don't know too much about it. I've never actually been there, but I think it's a little bit more like in the mountains, like not so, that. not so deserty as it is here. Yeah, I mean, he gets weather there, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He gets weather here. They don't get weather. They just get hot and hotter. Yeah. Hey, are you, are you actually in Scottsdale because of our guest today? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what, right, what <laughs> that's exactly why I chose Scottsdale. You know, I could have, uh, you know, we could have gone to like, I could have gone to Fredville or something, but it just wouldn't have worked. So um, our guest today, let me introduce him, is, uh, is Scott Russell. Uh, a lot of you would know him as Mr. Daytona because he, he won that little race down there in Florida five times. Um, He's a three-time super sport champion, 1992 AMA superbike champion, uh, 1993 world superbike champion. 1995, he was a fill-in rider in Grand Prix racing for Kevin Schwantz. And, uh, you know, one of the things, this is, what I, this is one of the things I wanted to bring up when, when, when talking to Scott and bringing Scott in. It's like, he finished sixth in the 500 CC world championship in 1996. And nobody really even talks about that. And, and he had two podiums. I mean, if, if, if one of our guys went over there now and got freaking one podium, we'd do backflips naked through freaking central park. And this, this guy got two podiums and six in the championship when, and I mean, this was, this wasn't down years of MotoGP by any means, this was tough competition. Yes. And he went over there and did the business and, and nobody ever talks about it, which I think is kind of sad. But anyway, he's won the Suzuka eight hour. He's in the AMA hall of fame. Now he's a, uh, he's a freaking kook on the, on the bicycle. He rides like 9,000 miles a year. My goal is every year I look and I see what he rode last year. And my goal is to try to ride half of that. And so, so <laughs> I'm not going to be able to make it this year, but I'm going to blame COVID or something. But, I try to do as much as I can, you know, and I still have a job. I'm trying to keep the job anyway. So let's, uh, let's introduce, of course, by now, you know, it's Scott Russell. And Scott, how are you today? Doing good, Paul. Hi, Sean. Good hey, to be here with you guys. Yeah, it's nice to have you. We finally pinned you down and forced you in. <laughs> you did. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, it'll be good. I've just... Uh, didn't mean to dodge you a week or two ago. I just, uh, I don't know. Here we are. And um, yeah, let's see how it goes. Hey, you know how many times I just want to call Sean and tell him, nah, I'm not doing it. 
<laughs> I am I am a little yeah, bit uh, I, I try to be persuasive for sure and I I think I pleaded to Scott and actually tried to show some tears to him and stuff so you know, <laughs> I'm glad you're on Scott it's uh hey we'll transition we'll get into what you're doing now but we want to talk about you know what you what you did prior to what you're doing these days but you know one of the things that Paul pointed out is this can you talk about when you were racing in GP? My goodness. I mean, to finish where you did. And like Paul said, it's not something that people, it's top of mind. I mean, they know you as Mr. Daytona, but you know, there's so much more than that to Scott Russell's career. Can you talk about those GP? Mm, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it's funny. Now, now we've kind of run out of things to watch on TV. So we're, we're watching all races. The other day we watched Suzuka uh, Grand Prix from 96, which was definitely one of my best races. I podiumed there. But, you know, coming off a super bike, running four strokes your whole life, um, dreaming of riding a two-stroke and being at the big show was always there for me. Um, and then the opportunity arose when Kevin decided that he couldn't continue. And <laughs> it was a weird timing because I just uh, inked a deal with Rob and Kawasaki for – couple of year deal and uh, then this idea popped up and this opportunity came along and you know things weren't looking good on the Kawasaki side in 1995 we changed bikes you know the new 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 developed engine and and when we showed up in Europe we were way off pace I was two seconds off my previous times at at, at some of the tracks and, and the year has, it was just starting out really badly and then I got this uh, call from uh uh, well, journalist Kel Edge, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, came into the motorhome and said, look, your name's on the list to replace Swanson. I just, and it was funny to me at first. I thought, I'm 32 years old or whatever at the time, maybe 34. I thought, if, no, they want a young guy. So I couldn't sleep that night. We were at Masano, I believe. Ran the race the next day, got smoked. And then I, I called Kel. I said, let's try to make that happen the meeting with Gary Taylor and he made that two days later. I had to be in England and, and there I was sitting in his office, you know, and, and, uh, we had a good talk and, and that after that talk, they had booked me a ticket that night to fly to Czechoslovakia where the team had already been down there testing that, that day. And they had another day the following day that I could join. And I was like, let's go. And so I flew down to Checo and, a track that I really like and had a good success in the superbike with and tested the bike and went really well. And by lunchtime, they were, had a contract for me to look at. So it happened quick. Uh, like I said, at a, at a weird time, uh, I'm not proud of the fact that I had to break the contract with Kawasaki and Muzzy to move on to, to follow my dream, you know? So what was a dream of mine kind of turned out to be almost a nightmare. Really the 500s were, Really hard to ride, no two-stroke experience, and uh, you know I had a heavy throttle hand, so I was learned hard, the hard way um, that those were pretty diabolical. And the Suzuki was in itself a hard bike to ride, and you just take a look back at Swanson's career, and he was either winning or he was crashing, pretty much. And and I experienced some of that—not the winning part, but the crashing part. And, uh, but there I was at the big show. That I've been waiting my whole life to, to get to. And, so I had to take the opportunity, and that's how I got there. Mm. Now, finishing sixth, um, finishing sixth in the championship the next year, did it suddenly? Did you realize, okay, th this this was worth it, and this was the dream, and it's as good as you thought it was going to be, or was it a letdown? <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, I was really, I, I had some rough luck on the five hundred and crashed the first year. You know, in that first half of the season, broke my wrist at Donington, so right away, it, it set me back, and I really didn't get a lot of seat time, so by 96, you know, I had some time to kind of get it together, and we came out and, and had some better showings, you know, and a couple of thirds, but I was happy I, I, I did it for myself. I, I needed to try. Unfortunately, it didn't last very long, but, you know, finishing sixth that year, getting rookie of the year, that was a nice accomplishment, you know. So 
um, you know, considering to be the top of the line in the, in the sport. Um, I felt like I just needed more time on the bike and I would have been in a bit better shape. But at that time, the Hondas were super fast and really going well. So anytime, you know, Mick and those guys were out there going that well, it was going to be hard to win. But I showed, showed them a couple of times that I could run with them and, and uh, led Czechoslovakia for most of the race. So just, just to have an opportunity to, to come there and prove that I could ride one and get on the box and, you know, run with doing a little bit here and there. It was cool. Yeah, very But good. it was short-lived. Yeah. What mm – -hmm. when you look back at a, at a career that was obviously outstanding, I mean, there's Superbike champ, AMA Superbike champion, World Superbike champion, the early 750 Supersport championships, going GP racing. Is there one year that stands out for you that was like – I mean, nobody has a perfect year, but a year that when you just, everything was so good, you enjoyed it, you were enjoying the, I mean, you enjoyed every part of it. Is there, is there any year that stands out as, as like the good year? It would probably, it would be 93, obviously, to win the world 93, championship. Baby. Um, That's what it was, 93. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Scott, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 93 yeah it was you know i mean the start of the season was great i remember you calling me i was living in monterey paul i was on my bicycle then too imagine that and you're like hey they're gonna give a daytona rolex away for the paul at daytona and I, I don't know if you remember i said i'm winning that fucker <laughs> excuse my french but i, I did i said i'm winning that watch and right then i thought and and and, and also you enlightened me that eddie lawson was coming to race so it's like wow <laughs> this is this is my time to shine you know so to get to go up against a four-time world champ in the premier class and um you know that's how that season started although i lost the race i won the watch but we battled the whole race and i was like man i've really stepped it up so that was the start of 93 and then we went on to europe and and uh I, you know we'd gone up there in 92 to test the water we ran three racetracks and podium did a couple of them in 92 and and so that's the only tracks I had seen, you know, and the rest of it was all going to be new to me. So it was a it was a, it was a culture shock and a ma massive challenge to to be fast everywhere, not having any data to fall back on. Um, but I was man, I was on the up, coming up hard at, at that time, and I didn't care who who any of those guys were, you know, I was compared to throw down with all of them and uh, and so the whole year was surreal to be able to battle with eddie to start it and then go to europe and and uh you know start um swinging with the best of them and then back then the world superbike was was tough you know it was always you know a big line of guys freight train and so i i think that was definitely the highlight how could it not be you know, you're getting to visit all these great countries and these great racetracks, and, and you're doing well. I wasn't winning as many races as I wanted to. The Ducatis were pretty fast back then, so it was always a little bit up against it in that respect, but in turn, it really brought my level of riding way up because every lap was like a qualifying lap, it seemed like. So that would have been the year, obviously, 93. I know you get tired of talking about Daytona because, but it's a big, obviously a huge part of your life. And, and I read somewhere or that maybe you even told me this. I don't, I don't remember, but um, you, when you, when you drove through the tunnel there at Daytona International Speedway, you, you drove through that tunnel, like expecting to win every year. Right. I mean, you had, you, it was a special feeling that you got when you arrived at that place. That's like, yeah, I'm Mr. Daytona for a reason. And that's what I do here. Yeah, I mean, I don't. After '92, battling with Poland and pulling that one off just in the nick of time at the finish, you know, the next, the next, and then winning the Superbike Championship '92. So I was really on the upswing. And in Daytona, I felt, well, God, if I could beat Poland, I could beat anybody because he was the guy to beat at that time. And so, you know, and then 93 battling with Lawson and proving that, hey, I can race with some of the best guys in the world. I mean, that was another notch. And then, you know, losing that, but then coming after that, I think, yeah, I just had this confidence about it. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Maybe a little bit cocky, but I knew that we had everything it took and 
you know, to pull this off for some reason. And, I, and maybe it was just a positive um, attitude that I had about it, but it was real. You know, I felt something came over me when we showed up because you always had my whole family and, you know, the drugs and friends that always followed me would come down and it was like winning for them as much as it was for me. So that ups, uh, brings your level up. It's almost riding at a home race racetrack, you know, it just, it, although it wasn't my home track, it felt like it was. So all that together was just made the magic down there. All right. One more. You know, there was some luck involved in a couple of those. Oh huh? yeah, but that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you take any, you take the wins any way you can get them. But um, we just watched some of the races the other day. I mean, like we're bored, you know, watching. I can't watch the news anymore, so I had to. We're here. We are resorting to watching all these old races a month. I'm watching Portugal right now from '93, so it's good to go back and relive it, think about it, and then think about yeah. I mean, at the time, you take it with a little bit of a <clears throat> grain of salt but it was a big deal um and it was a, a big event to um an, an international event you know and then hey when you top that it's uh it's a great feeling and you just want more of that and more of that and so that's what i would do try to emulate each year and just do the best i could to win again you know and it just worked out that 94, I won from the back of the pack in the second wave, crashing in 95, picking it up. I mean, these are things that you can't really dream up, man. No, you can't make this stuff up. So, yeah. Well, it's awesome. We always, get, we always get emails from people and stuff. Oh, when are you going to go back to Daytona? When are we going to get super bikes at Daytona? They don't understand, like, it, you you could explain it obviously, and I don't think you're going to disagree with me. But riding a super bike around that banking is scary shit. Am I right? It is. And I was down, yeah, a year ago at the end of the season. Chris Alts invited me to come down and you know ride with their team hammer gig that they do in October. They had a brand new jig, one thousand for me, and still had lights on it. They were just taped up. But I'm out there riding around on this thing. You know, you got to know, I have only done one seat, one year down there on a thousand with Jamie James on that Yamaha. <clears throat> and so here we are, fast forward to last year, and I'm out there ripping around. And the whole time I'm thinking, when's, it, when's the tire going to blow off the back of this thing? You know, this is what I'm thinking. Because that's what happens when these thousands go around that banking. They just have a hard time keeping it together. And, and that's the part people don't understand. And, and 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 it's just a dangerous deal. And and soon as I thought that, the tire chomped, you know, the next lap. So and this was in a just running around in playtime. So it's a real issue. And they tried to alter the racetrack, which in my opinion was terrible to make that work for the one thousand. So in the end, I guess <clears throat> they just had to end, you know, and unfortunately the greatest race doesn't happen anymore what the people used to look at it like you know i mean it was such a big deal so the fact is that you just can't can't make it safe it's uh when you're running around never over 200 miles an hour now you know in the thousands easy so it really poses a big problem so there it is you know scott i want to talk to you about of course you're known known by everybody mr daytona and you and you're known I, I think of you that way too, but as I think you know, I also think of you as Mr. Loudon. And we've talked about this before. I recently did a story on it. And I get a little bit um, myopic about this because that was my track for a long time when I was a little bit younger and I used to go there and I never, I'll never forget 92 when you, when you dominated there, but 93 was incredible. Um, this, the perspective and story I told was that I had this opportunity to work on their uh, PR and advertising that year and I put in the brochure that you know you'd always feature the defending champion from the previous year's Loudon Classic and back then I mean I, I had no idea that you weren't going to be defending I didn't know that you were going to World World Superbike it was early in the season and I had made this big thing out of you coming back and you were on the cover and you know then I then I found out later that you were racing in World Superbike and I was somewhat horrified about it and I remember talking to, to Gary Bear one of the owners of the track once we've found out you were going to be there. And I told him how, 
you know, I, I pretended that I knew it all along. And he laughed and said, that was kind of fortuitous. And I said, yeah, <laughs> but that's all from my perspective. I've, I've told the story not as well as you could tell it, but can you kind of recount a little bit of that? So, so you guys were at Albacete, as I think you told me, and you talked to Gary Medley and somehow decided you were going to come to Loudoun. Can you, can you tell us what, what went on there behind the scenes a little bit? You know, it's, <clears throat> like you said, that was my second Daytona of the year back in the day. You know, I mean, those were the two biggest paying races. And uh, I was all about winning some money and all about winning cool races. And when we found out, look at the schedule and realized there was a, enough of a break that, you know, I had the weekend off. I posed it to those guys. I said, look, man, is there any way I can go back and run that race? And, and they shifted some stuff around and, and um, made Tiger So's spare bike available for me to ride. And it just, I was just like <clears throat> super happy that they made that happen for me. You know, Rob did some cool things for me and let me, let me come back and do things like that. That road Atlanta, Daytona, all those years, you know, those are big deals. So, um, yeah, and and so I missed a flight on the way in, so I was late getting there on that Friday. I missed the morning session, I want to say, and um, then then just jumped on his bike in the afternoon session, and it was dry then. And I went out, and I think I was set fastest time still, but I couldn't believe how slow the bike was. It felt like a super sport bike, and I was used to. You know, and the bikes that we ran in Europe had all the hot rod parts in it, you know, from Japan. So, and then the U.S. team, they had great bikes, but they didn't need to spend that much money on, you know, those type of parts. And I don't even know if those were available for that bike, for those bikes. So here I am riding this super bike around after riding mine in Europe, thinking this thing feels slow, but it's a small track. There's not a horsepower rush. So I was like played right into the hands. And then when the, when the rain started to fall, and I always had good runs in the rain for some reason. I had good feel and just was confident in the rain. And, you know, we came out and, and started racing the rain, and, and it was perfect. You know, the bike was down on power, but it just was the best bike ever for that condition. You know, I could ride it hard. Didn't have to really worry about the thing jumping out from under me so much. And uh, just put my head down and, I rode as hard as I could, you know, and, and smooth as I could. And I was finding it really easy that day and just started pulling away and pulling away and laughing people, laughing more people. And then at near the end, there was Doug Poland. I could see him ahead or, and he was the next guy going to get lapped. And it was like, that was a big deal to me. I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm about to catch this guy. So, yeah, I don't know, I man. I'll just have my head down. I did not catch him in the end. I think he was in sixth place that day. So it was another one of those days where I can't explain how well I rode, but it, it just happened. And so, so Scott, let me let me you just know, there again I can hear this sorry, I, I interrupt you, Scott. I apologize. I get excited when this story is being told because I realized it's become a little bit of a fish story for me. I didn't realize you were there on Friday and I, I would have been there watching you. I just remember Saturday morning, I, I'm pretty sure it was raining and you were coming around, going around that track and I was in turn outside of turn six in that bowl and I could not believe how much faster you were going around that track in the wet than anybody else was. It was, it was uncanny. And to, to show visi visible speed so much faster on a small track like that is, is even more incredible. So um, do you remember, I mean, how, how it was raining? I mean, you just, you just went for it. I mean, you said that. You, you didn't seem to have any, any concerns at all yeah. about traction. Well, that's definitely one of the da most dangerous tracks that we went to back yeah. in the day. And there was <laughs> kind of dangerous pretty much around every corner, but I blocked all that out and just, like I said, I don't know, the bike setup was really good that day and the, and the bike not being like violently overpowering, you know, for the condition that just was like, it just made this perfect day where I could ride fast, smooth. And then I just had to feel for the rain, you know, and, and it wasn't just that one day. I had a lot of great rain races throughout my career and, and that was just another one of them. And, uh, you know, corner speed, 
you you could see it. You could sit down on the side of the track, you said, and you could notice the, the difference. I mean, that was probably a byproduct of racing in Europe already because the Ducatis were so fast on the straights that that's where I had to make my money is off the brake and tipping into the corner and rolling through. So that's kind of where I was good on the motorcycle. I was good in a lot of areas, but through the middle of the corner, the Kawasaki and was just, just good and had that good connection to the road. Dunlops worked great that day. And it's hard to explain it. You know, you just feel it and you just go with it and you flow. But I was really on the uprise then. I think, you know, I don't know how, you know, competition level here was. I mean, there were some the big names out there on that, that day. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, big know, with Doug and Duhamel and guys like that. So it wasn't – it shouldn't have been that easy, let's just say that. But for some reason, maybe the other guys just didn't have their setup right. Maybe they were spooked by the track a little bit, you know. But I was confident in what I could do confident in the way the bike was feeling and then allowed me to raise that bar even higher. So you, you were riding Tiger Stowe's backup bike and did you, you said the bike felt perfect, but did you have to, you obviously had to do some changes to the setup, I'm sure. Um, do you remember trying having to get it right from his setup to your setup? Not, I don't, I didn't have to work too hard on the bike, Sean, because I jumped on it right away when I got there and went straight into qualifying. Yeah. I want, it feels like, and I set fastest time right away on it. So obviously the setup of the thing was pretty good. And you know, that, that track doesn't have any real long duration corners to it. It's really stop, go you know, hacked up type of racetrack. So you didn't, weren't spending a lot of time on the edge of the tire. And, you know, that's when setup really comes into play. I mean, if the bike, you know, if the front's not diving too much. And, and we want to, when it's raining like that, if it's a little bit on the soft side, that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I luckily I just walked into a deal where, hey, I don't remember having to chase setup or change a whole lot of things. It was more or less just changing handlebars. Uh, position maybe in the levers and then just getting to it you know so um yeah i guess i was lucky by missing one session that weekend the first session on friday that the bike was as good as it was as far as being set up and uh, it was just allowed me to kind of go out there and then you know i was good at riding around problems then too you know like we never had a perfect motorcycle so you always had to adapt in some way, shape, or form. And, and in the rain, that almost was easier, you know, because you you got a light touch. You're not pushing 10 tenths in each corner. So if the setup of the bike um, wasn't perfect, I didn't, I didn't notice it that weekend. And I don't recall having to work very hard at it. <laughs> it just came easy. It was like, this is how it should be. I just showed up and won thing like I wanted to and get out of here you know well it adds to what was so magical about that year 93 and I want to emphasize some other things about it we started the podcast with you talking about when you raced in GP and you mentioned the fact that Suzuka was a good round for you well I want to talk about 93 well you won at Daytona you won at Loudoun in the middle of a world superbike season in which you won the championship and then to top it off you won the Suzuka eight hour with Aaron Slate so it's like you also added to that that year too and I mean (laughs) That was incredible, but I also want to say, in, 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 did that help you once you went to Suzuki on a GP bike later? Yeah, I mean, you spend, you know, four or five hours a day running around that racetrack. You get, so you get it figured out. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, um, that was kind of a gift, I got to tell you, to us winning the eight-hour. I mean, we were up against Lawson. Yes. And I forget who his teammate was that year. And then Mick Dewan, Mick Dewan was in it. So, I mean, the heavy hitters were there, you know. And we were not the fastest bike. That was the last year of the Formula One rules. And those bikes were essentially Grand Prix bikes with superbike motors in them. And all I can remember is that Kawasaki being one of the worst handling bikes I'd ever ridden in my life. And I was thinking, this is going to be a long day. And Aaron Slide and I just kept chipping away, man. We just basically ran our own race and those guys had issues i think eddie might have slipped down 
and uh, Mick. I can't remember what happened to those guys, but look, they had problems. We didn't. We just kept it going, and we ended up winning the thing. And you know, so but yeah, I mean, I knew the racetrack and I, and I knew it well by then. And and uh, and then the following year, '94, we went back, and that was the first year for Superbike rules at the Suzuka Eight Hour. And man, I, I was able to set the pole that year at the eight hour. So to win the eight hour and be on pole there, those are huge. That's that's pretty amazing stuff. Um, but wow, what a year '93 was! I mean, to pull all that together like that, it was like the dream season. The only thing we missed was Daytona, but that to me felt like a win. I mean, finishing within a bike length of Lawson. I mean, hey, is there is there anybody else at the time? that I got to prove myself against. So that was a special season. And we got a little bit of a gift that day. But like I said, you, you take a win any way you can get it. You know, you got to stay on it and win it. And we did that. So it was a it was a hard day. It was a hard day that day. And definitely one of the hardest things I'd ever done, ever, on a motorcycle to win the eight hour. And the humidity, all the – it's just hardcore over there, you know, and just – it's a it's a eight hour sprint race. There ain't no messing around, and it's a racetrack that'll work you too. You guys know it's a. There's no time to break there. You're down the back straight, just briefly. <clears throat> the rest of the time, you're intensely into it. So, good concentration. I had I, I was able to do that when I was riding to block everything out. I'm typically um, <laughs> got a short attention span in real life, but. In those instances when, you know, situation when I was on the bike, uh, and even now on the bicycle, it's the same. I can click into a mode that just just allows me to uh, focus on, on what's going on and just block everything out and just try to do the best I can. Yeah, you know. I was lucky Scott, to be good at that. One of the things I wanted to say for to you is, my, you know, my uh, my mind sometimes – Draws a blank. Thanks for correcting me. 93, you didn't win Daytona. That was, that was Eddie, of course. And, and I apologize to Eddie Lawson for that. I, I've, it, again, a fish store story. It added to your magical 93 year. I, I basically think you've won everything you did that year, but you, you pretty much did for all intents and purposes. And I want to make a transition here because one of the other things you were known for during that time period, besides obviously being the, stream, the screaming chief in the Troy Lee Designs uh, helmet and leathers that you had that are still iconic to this day and so many riders still wear that uh, that helmet with the, uh, the the feathers on it um, to in honor of you but the other thing you used to wear on your your leathers was it used to have four letters y-e-t-i and I knew at the time it was an abominable snowman but I didn't really know it was a bicycle and you were one of the early <laughs> not only I think you were sponsored by that that company but it, it was early days for cycling so can you talk about that, how you started out with them? And then I want to transition into what you're doing now. And we'll have some questions about this new passion that you have. Well, not new. It's a passion you've had for a long time, but you're, you're just a badass cyclist now. And we want, we want to make sure we cover that. So tell us about the situation with Yeti back then. That all came about from Troy Lee, obviously. You know, he and John Parker. John Parker was the uh, man who started Yeti bicycles and he was from Durango, Colorado and and Troy had put me in contact with John and John had had put me on a good nice mountain bike and a nice road bike back then, but I wasn't a serious cyclist back then. It was weird, you know. I just did that for more like play. I really never focused on cycling as a real training tool. I did it as a just hey, let's go ride our bike and enjoy it. Totally different from now. Um but, yeah, I mean, we ran the Yeti sticker. Um, I had the Yeti gig. I had a GT gig. had a GT bicycle gig at some point. But, again, looking back at it, it's kind of strange because I wasn't a serious cyclist then. But that's how that deal came about. Another deal from Troy and John Parker were good buddies. And I went to Durango, visited John on one of my road trips headed into California. And, and then that – sponsorship was sparked up so and uh it was cool you know um i love the yeti bicycle stuff back then and and 
they got some cool stuff still today, although the company's gone through a lot of change. I think Swin ended up buying them, buying it from John, and they didn't do the great, great stuff with it. And then somebody else is on in the company now, and they're really making some good stuff again. But I know one, I remember the the World Cup guys came, or I don't know if it's World Cup, but the, the top of the line mountain bike series came to Helen, Georgia. And John Parker and Troy and all them were coming. And he entered me in the pro class downhill. And I'm like, what? I don't even do this. You know, I'm just playing. So I remember getting my ass whooped bad at my own home state up here by the pros. And I was like second to last, I think, on the downhill. And I think I would have been second in the women's pro. I thought Missy Giovi was faster than I was then. So my bicycle racing career back then was definitely <clears throat> not what it is today, let's say. But it, it was cool to have those guys behind me. And uh, I'm still staying in touch with John occasionally, um, which is very cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Troy really helped me out in racing. He, he gave us the best-looking stuff out on the track. So we really made a mark with that. And then – and then, you know, having some of his guys help me was, uh, was really cool. All right, let's keep talking about the bicycles a little bit. Um, Sean, I've been fortunate enough. Well, actually, when I was at, on the ride, I didn't feel that fortunate. But uh, I've been fortunate enough to spend some days in Park City with, with Scott and some of the boys, Bobby Fong and Garrett Gerloff and Cameron was with us one year, uh, Bobier. And we, we, we did some mountain biking and, you know, I, these guys were just freaking destroying me, but, you know, I survived. But at the time, Scott was really getting involved in it heavily. And I mean, it, I think your mileage goes up every year, which congratulations on you for that, because, um, you know, you're not getting any younger, obviously, and neither am I. But uh, I, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. And Scott, as he was with with his racing career, is obviously very talented and and uh and definitely knows how to compete so you've you've been doing some mountain bike racing i don't think you've done any road bike stuff except for the training but you've you've raced mountain bikes sort of a lot at this point right yeah i mean <clears throat> i enjoy that you know i do all the training on the road and my mountain bike miles are really limited these days um just because it's easier just to climb on the bike drive out of the driveway you know to load up and go anywhere so um yeah, it's it's been now, I think I'm going on nine years straight, you know, from cycling. Um, if I'm asked correct, 06, I want to say, no, 2012, when I started getting serious about this. So, um, it's just being on two wheels, I guess. It makes me feel like young again, you know, and we have a great community of cycling all around Atlanta although that's taken a little bit of a hit with the COVID this year. A lot of people were scared to do group rides, and then I was one of them, and now we're <laughs> – I've been doing group rides for three months again now, maybe more. Um, so, um, you know, I find that I really don't have much else to do in life anymore, so I don't do the motocross thing in the backyard like we used to. That's died off. So I've sold all the dirt bikes and, you know, just kind of turned full, full into a cyclist. And we have a nice program with the local shop, Robble Bicycles. And, uh, you know, so I do like to do the mountain bike race. I've been doing um, three-hour solo stuff. And that's, you know, like a three-hour sprint race, really, for me. Um and it's gone really well, you know. I won the championship a couple of years ago, and then last year I didn't didn't do so many races. I just kept riding on the road more. And then, you know, we've done a couple of races this year, and uh, it's gone well. Um, obviously, you know, the riding skills that I possess from motorcycles has been able to carry over into the bicycle thing, especially in the woods. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good motocross guy, too. You know, we don't talk about that, but I could go pretty quick on those, too. Um, and so when I get in the woods, it's just like, 
get out of the Wi-Fi. So here I come, you know, it's just full tilt. Just, and, it, and it's built into you, you know, being a racer all these years, it's when, the, when they say race, <laughs> something just comes out, you know, it's like being in coming to Daytona again. And even in a mountain bike race, it's like, I'm winning this thing today. <laughs> it's kind of the same mentality, but, you know, they're younger guys, you know, I don't try. I'm never the fastest guy in the whole race, but in my age group, I tend to do pretty well. So I just love it, man. I love the, the intensity of it, the, the, the concentration level that it takes to, to go full out for three hours, so to speak. Um, and, uh, and the feeling of winning is kind of nice too. You know, so I get that still through the mountain bike stuff. We won a race earlier this year. We did a team race. Bobby Fong came out. Michael Rudge, one of the eye doctors that's on our team. Um, we did a team deal, you know, and I was all intending on doing a three-hour solo that day. Actually, I was going to do a six-hour solo. Sorry, because I was going to step it up. And then we decided to team up. And I really enjoyed that even more because I can't go full out six hours. There's just no way, but this way you know you go one hour each or one lap each and you just hand it off and and that we, we won that earlier this year or later this year wasn't that long ago so that was really cool being part of the team on the mountain bike thing it took some of the pressure and not having to ride so hard for consistently for so long and allow me to uh just just really let it hang out each lap and but, you know, I mean, that's just who I am. You know, that race was still inside, and, and there's little times like that that he gets to come out and do his thing again. And then, you know, doing all the road group rides, you know, I've been been able to up my level of fitness to a pretty good level now to where used to I'd get all anxious and, and wonder, did I eat enough? Did I do sleep enough? You know, for silly little group rides. I mean, because they're fast. There's some fast guys around here, and you always want to be able to keep up. But, you know, throughout, you know, eight years now, steady riding, I've gotten to a nice level to where I don't worry about it. I show up, and I can ride at the front with these guys most of the time. And it's what a great life, you know, to have a good program um tim robinson has put together for us with you know giant bicycles now roswell bicycles and um we got shimano on board helping us we've got laser helmets we've got uh we go pivot you know that's tim's company um and they do wellness packages for corporations encouraging their employees to eat right quit smoking have less clients just live a healthier life and in turn that just plays right into what we're doing you know with the motorcycle bicycle thing and having to build a team with you know ex-motorcycle guys in it it just and tim's been into the motorcycle industry for years and um thank him again for putting such a cool program together i'd still be riding but he's made it a, a little bit more affordable for me to do it and uh, at the level i'm doing it now and, and we get together and we do these team races and that was fun you know that's the first time we've uh teamed up and, and gotten it done and got the, the win now we've done some grand fonda stuff that uh obviously we were not there to win but we did stuff as a team and so the whole cycling thing is just the best thing ever man what a healthy lifestyle and and uh that's that's what i do now that's it <laughs> all right i just got a couple more things and we're gonna let you go because i told you 45 minutes and we're already over that and i know you got stuff going on and i know you got a ride plan but uh a couple of things a i know you were faster than bobby fong in that endurance race and i know if he listens <laughs> that's gonna piss him off so that's why i even brought it up because he's fun to piss off yeah. second thing is i yeah. i don't know where i heard it I don't know where I heard it, but I heard there might be some wedding bells over there at the Scar hey! house pretty soon. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. You're talking about New Year's Eve. I was like, I was the same thing. I was like, how the hell am I? I can't even stay awake till midnight anymore. But now <laughs> we're going to get married, and we're going to get married on at 4, 4.30. So I should be able to stay awake for that. 
and uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's my New Year's this year, a New Year's resolution to get married. On. Wow. And uh, Erica, congratulations! <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's uh, great. I don't, know, I don't know her very well. I've only met her a few times, but uh, but anybody that likes Scott Russell, I, I like. So I congratulate you on that. I think that's going to be a good deal for you and. I wish you all the best. I bet, wish you all the best, not necessarily just in the marriage, but actually staying up on New Year's Eve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks. I don't know if I'll make it to midnight still. I'll be honest. So that's why we did it so early in the evening. And uh, now nah, it's going to be super small um, gathering at this cool little uh, chapel that we found up in North Georgia, up in the mountains. And, uh, and then we got a cabin rented for a few days. And, uh, you know, um, super, super easy gig, you know, I mean, just a uh, small gathering. So yeah, thank you. And uh, it'll be another challenge, but we've been together for eight years now. So it's like, we got, we got this. I was going to say part of this story, which is the part I love the most is, as I recall, Erica is somebody you used to know back in the day and then you lost touch with her and then you got back together. Isn't that correct? Yeah, like we dated in '98, and uh, and she and we met in Daytona when I was down there for a tire test in December. How we used to go down in '97 90, December, we met, and then we connected, and and we 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 dated for a little over a year. And she went to Europe with me and got to see a lot of the stuff. wasn't the good stuff because I was riding the Yamaha, and that wasn't a great year in '98. But I mean, hey, she's and then we you know, went our separate ways for 15 years and we always stayed in touch and uh, we reconnected back when I was doing the TV commentary down there in Daytona one year and, and here she stands right now. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> that's great. I, you know, you find somebody that's going to hang out with you that long when you're me, you better go on and do that. You know, cause <laughs> Absolutely. People don't know the real me. <laughs> I, can say, I can only say it's one hard. more thing. It's hard for her. I can only say one more thing. God bless her. Yeah. Yes. God bless her. That's right. She's going to need it. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll try to be, try to be good. And, Scott's, you know, mellowed. Be good and, Scott's mellowed as he, Scott's, Scott's a much more, Scott's not the scre screaming chief. He could be. When he's on the bicycle, he is, but he's a gentle soul. Yeah. Now. I love that about him. Hey, Scott, yeah. I got one more question for you. And this is, this is related to, I, I want to point out, you know, you had mentioned Go Pivot Cycling, which is the team you're on that has Bobby Fong and Garrett Gerlach. And I mean, it's a pretty diverse group because you mentioned Tim Robinson. There's a couple doctors on it. There's a couple car racers in, in uh, Catherine Leg and, and Andy Lally. So there are a lot of athletes from a lot of different disciplines involved in that. And I, when I saw you a couple years ago at Utah and I interviewed you for Moto America, I, you're a specimen now. I just have to say that. And I mean, you've always been, in my opinion, in, in good shape and have always been a pretty thin guy. But I mean, your fitness is, is off the charts now. And it was a couple of years ago. So my question to you is, did you train back in the day? And are you in better shape now than you were then? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, it was just youth on my side, right? And then I had a hell of a lot of talent. You know, I was put here to race motorcycles, there's no right. doubt. So to find that and be able to go with it, I was just very lucky. But I just relied on, you know, my fitness and being young back then. I mean, I wasn't focused at all on training. I mean, it was it. The world has changed now. You know, at that time, and you know, the, the rainy and those guys were probably training super hard. Did, but I don't know. I wasn't, and I was just kind of taking it as it come. And I was just like I said, a casual bicyclist back then. But yeah, now, man, it's. Uh, I did not train like I did back then, and I wish I would have. But the competition wouldn't have liked it if I would have. I think if I would have really put my head to it back in the day, there's no telling how many races or championships I could have won. I just I wasn't as focused on being as good as I could have been then. And I, I kick myself a little bit about it now, but I still got away with a pretty cool career. So I don't beat myself up too bad, but I left a lot of stuff on the table. I could have done a lot more. And now thanks to the cycle, I, I mean, it'll, uh, 
I don't look too young, but I'm, I've got the fitness of a 20 year old, you know, according to my whoop. <laughs> so I like what the whoop tells me and I just keep rolling with it. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I encourage everybody to get a bicycle and ride. Paul, you know, it's a little, it's the fountain of youth. If you have the time and you can really put the time, because it takes time to get to where I'm at. And I mean, hours and hours. I mean, I was looking at it the other day of how many hours and how many miles I've put in, you know, I must, it's just crazy, you know, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a great healthy world to live in. And, and, uh, yeah, thanks man for noticing. And so I've worked real hard at, uh, being in good shape and that's all I want to do now. So it's a way of life now. Well, I think um, I think we're going to let you go here, Scott. And I, I, it's good to know that if I get fired, I'll I'll be able to get in better shape. So that's that's, <laughs> that's one good takeaway from this. But uh, I appreciate, yeah. and I know Sean does as well. I, I really appreciate you joining us. You've always uh, you've always been one of my favorites. And and as if I was you, I wouldn't look back with any regrets because. Uh, you you obviously accomplished a lot and you had a little fun on the way so there's there's not there's nothing to be ashamed about with that and now you get to turn it all around and keep going and keep training and race with these young guys and and keep keep kicking their ass so congrats with that congrats with the upcoming uh wedding i know that's going to work out well for you you're going to have a good time and and a really good rest of your life and we're going to be seeing a lot more of you because we're going to have you at moto america races and uh you're going to be our, our you can be our little, uh, what yeah. the Marshall, Grand Marshal or something. Yes. So. Yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I appreciate what you guys are doing for road racing and doing the best y'all can to keep this thing going. It's, uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing y'all at some events next year, you know, and hopefully things will be going well. And, and uh, it's always good to see you guys. Great. Well, let me finish up doing this little promotion um right now we've got you know it's obviously a holiday season and uh we've got a chance for uh, the fans to purchase tickets at select events at 25 percent off you just have to go to the moto america website click on schedule and you can look at the the venues the rounds where you're going to be able to get 25 percent off and that's road atlanta scott's uh home track virginia uh international raceway pittsburgh um International Raceway, <laughs> International Race Complex, sorry, uh, Pit, Pit Race, uh, New Jersey Motorsports Park and Barber Motorsports Park. And the offer ends actually Christmas night at 11.59 Pacific. So if you're on the East Coast like Scott and I, you've got a little bit of time into, the, into uh, December 26th to get in on this, but do it now, go on the website, get, get your tickets for this coming year and you'll get 25% off at these, these select uh, locations. And you uh, probably are going to get to see Scott there too, which is another reason to get in on this for 2021. So just want to mention that. Thank you. Okay. Thanks guys. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great day. All right. You take care guys. Uh